The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There sits Simon, so foolishly wise. Proudly he's tending his nets. Jesus calls and the boats drift away And all that he owns he forgets But more than the nets he abandoned that day He found that his pride was soon drifting away And it's hard to imagine the freedom we find From the things we leave behind Taking the tax and pressing the people to pay. But hearing the call, he responded in faith and followed the light and the way. And leaving the people so puzzled, he found the greed in his heart was no longer around. And it's hard to imagine the freedom we find. From the things we leave behind Every heart needs to be set free From possessions that hold it so tight Cause freedom's not found in the things that we own It's the power to do what is right With Jesus our only possession. And giving becomes our delight And we can imagine the freedom we find From the things we leave behind And love God above all the rest Cause when we say no to the things of the world We open our hearts to the love of the Lord And it's hard to imagine the freedom we find From the things we leave behind And when we say no to the things of the world We open
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've joined me today. We're going to talk about Babylon. Babylon has not yet fallen. But we are watching as America transitions into the full woman beast power. We need to talk about that spirit of Babylon and identify it very clearly. To identify the spirit of Babylon, we have to go back to where it all began. Now, as we do that, let's pray for understanding. Lord, I come asking for very clear understanding for each person listening and for myself regarding this Babylon power, this Babylon spirit. Oh, Lord, we're in such trouble. America is dying as we have known it, and it will never be the same again. Lord, we are watching as America is deliberately being put to death to rise in the fullness of Babylon's power. Lord, have mercy upon us. Show us how to stand, Jesus, by faith in your mighty power, in your mighty presence. Lord God, show us how to stand, where to hide, what to do, where to go. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, Babylon began as Cain and Abel went out into the countryside and Cain killed Abel. Well, no, we have to go back even before that, don't we? It's as Adam and Eve stand in front of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent comes, who is always in league with Babylon. He sows the spirit of Babylon into the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. He told them, God doesn't really mean you'll die. He's jealous of you. He doesn't want you to become like him. He doesn't want you to know both good and evil. No, God did not want us to know evil because it would only bring pain and confusion and degradation. But Adam and Eve took their bite of that fruit and said, we're going to go with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We're going to go with the tree that sets us free, not knowing that it would put them in total bondage. The first sign of that bondage is they know they're naked. And that sows confusion and fear in their hearts. And then when God comes walking in the cool of the day to fellowship with them, they're hiding in the bushes. Babylon is about confusion and hiding, and dishonesty, and grabbing what I can grab for myself. That is the spirit of Babylon. 
It involves murder, mayhem, violence. Why is it that almost, and I say almost because I'm trying to be kind, I don't know of any movie today that does not have violence in some way. Even Christian movies, there's heartbreak, tears, evil, and much of it is about, okay, how do we overcome evil? And much of the time, that evil is overcome, if it is, in the spirit of Babylon, by becoming a mighty person. The Romans knew that they had to somehow break the wickedness of Rome. They knew they had to somehow get Rome under control because everyone was just doing every wicked thing they wanted to do and society was breaking down. So Stoicism Stoicism emerged as a philosophy of inner strength, of inner discipline, to begin to be responsible for my own actions and my own thoughts. It was a pagan approach. It was a humanistic approach, and it failed. But they were on the right track. Inner strength, responsibility. All of these were cast out. And Cain is forced to flee for his life before God. And he goes to the land of Nod east of Eden. Nod means a place of wandering. East of Eden in the Hebrew means a place of new beginnings. So Cain has now fled from the presence of God. He's been cursed by God. The spirit of Babylon now flees to a place where you're always starting over. You're always wandering Now, you know that that's not going to be pleasant to the human heart, and so Cain begins building a city. He can't raise crops anymore. God has cursed the ground for him that he cannot even be a farmer. He doesn't want to be a shepherd. That's what his brother was. So he becomes an entrepreneur. He becomes a businessman. He tries to create a city where he can be secure. Because now they've been cast out of their home, the Garden of Eden. They don't know where home is. They have to create home some way. But now Cain, in murdering his brother, has broken the family relationship. He's distanced himself from his mother and his father and his other brothers and sisters. He is isolated, and he finds a few people to go with him, and he starts building a city, a city of rebellion. Now things become worse and worse, and finally God says, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. I'm grieved. It has become a habitation of multiplied canes, Lemek, took two wives. Murder was in his heart. 
So he brings the flood. Now, after the flood, we find the table of nations in Genesis, the 10th chapter. And pardon me, I'm going through this very quickly because I have some place I need to go, but I need to give you this underlying background so that you'll understand what it is I'm saying later in this broadcast. In the table of nations, we find the sons of Ham. The evil seed progresses through Cush and into Nimrod. Nimrod is called in the 10th chapter of Genesis, the 8th verse, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew to be a mighty warrior on the earth. So here's a man who is a powerful warrior. He is evil. He is in utter rebellion against the God of heaven. He's in utter rebellion against Shem, who is carrying the line of God. He's in total rebellion against Noah. He begins to bring such wickedness back into the earth. Violence. Wholesale violence. He is a mighty hunter before the Lord, which doesn't mean just hunting animals. He hunts men. He sets snares for men. Like Nimrod, a mighty hunter. We have these biblical references, but then we also have in the book of Jashar and in the writings of Josephus much fuller descriptions of who Nimrod was from extra-biblical sources. But the first center of his kingdom was a place called Babylon. It is the fullness of the expression of the spirit of Babylon. Now, he founds a number of different cities. I won't go into the names of those cities and the meaning of those names, but just to quickly go through it, the description is that Nimrod is a man of confusion. Babylon means confusion. Babel. The other cities bring other interesting tidbits to the description of who this man is. He is a worshiper of false gods. He will not worship or even acknowledge the God of heaven, the creator God. He establishes instead his own God, and from that God all kinds of wickedness flows. I could spend hours talking about this, but I'm not going to go further. I want to go now to the 11th chapter of Genesis. This is not about who and everything that that Nimrod did. This is about the spirit that he is bringing into the world. He is releasing demonic forces who were bound by the flood he is releasing them 
back into the world. And what I want you to know, and I'm going to deal with in just a moment, America today has been releasing all manner of demonic entities and cooperating with those demonic entities in child trafficking, in sexual uncleanness, in murder, in corruption. These demonic forces, these occult forces, are very much in cooperation with many of the leaders of our government and Europe's government, the EU. Let's go back to the 11th chapter of Genesis. The whole world had one language, this is verse 1, and a common speech. As men moved eastward, that is, as man moved to a place of new beginnings. They found a plain in Shinar, that is, Babylon, and they settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for the mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. In other words, we're going to pierce the very heavens and we are going to take charge. We are the power of the earth and we can even ascend into the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The Lord had said, spread out, repopulate the earth they said no we're not going to do that we're going to build large cities we're going to congregate in one place and we're going to make a name for ourselves we're going to be the ruler of the earth this is the spirit of Babylon making a name for yourself to not be subject to anyone be in charge. The problem comes with the name Babylon. It means confusion. Nimrod was a man of confusion and chaotic behavior. He was a man of violence. Nobody dared cross Nimrod. Extra-biblical sources tell us that Nimrod was finally executed by the righteous of the day, by the descendants of Shem, that his body was cut up into pieces and cast into the sea. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from, from that place all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, 
Babylon is going to become a marker through all of the years of the history of the earth from this point forward. There has been confusion and chaotic behavior before this, but it was not called Babylon. It was the confusion of Adam and Eve. It was the confusion and wickedness and violence of Cain as he killed Abel. It was the establishing of cities in opposition to the Lord God of heaven. And now we have a name for that ambition of the human heart, the positive thinking 101 of the human heart, humanism. We have a name now for ascendancy, control, violence. Its name is Babylon. It's a spirit that has now entered into the world through Nimrod. And now other men are taking on that same spirit. Now you have in Genesis, the 11th chapter, the same, the same identical chapter. You now begin to hear about a man by the name of Abram. You have Nimrod and Abram, or Abraham, contrasting one against the other. The Lord calls Abram out of one of Nimrod's cities, Haran. He is called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees is Babylonish. God reveals himself and says, go to the land I'll show you, and I'm going to establish a land. Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, or Abram, left as the Lord told him. And you know the story of Abraham. Now, there is a city, finally, that will come to the forefront. As Abraham goes to war to defend his nephew Lot, to take him back from an enemy, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, comes forth to bless Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything he has. He paid tithe to Melchizedek. Now, who is Melchizedek? I don't know. He could have been Shem, but with the description, I suspect he was a pre-incarnate Jesus. But I don't know, and I can't say beyond what the Scriptures say, and the Scriptures don't tell us. But what I want you to note is that he came from Salem that would be named Jerusalem. And we are going to see through all of the rest of the scriptures 
the city of peace, Salem, the city of Jerusalem, as David came and established it as the headquarters of the nation of Israel. So God is calling forth his people and his city. It is now going to be on one side Babylon, and on the other side it's going to be Jerusalem. And these two cities will be at constant odds one with another. Now the city of Babylon was for hundreds of years the most powerful city in the world. Persian, Chaldean, and against it, this small city of Jerusalem. Now, I want to take you into Revelation and I want to read for you Revelation 14 where we are again referring to three angels' messages. The first message, I saw another angel flying in the midst of the air. This is Revelation 14, 6. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Nimrod refused to worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Babylon always stands in opposition to the Lord God of heaven. And now the first angel is proclaiming that the hour of his judgment has come. The hour of God's judgment is here now. The COVID-19 that we see is a judgment upon the world for turning its back in support of Babylon, confusion, violence, refusal to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, the murder of innocent babies. If you remember the story of Moses, the children of Israel, they're in Pharaoh's land. What does Pharaoh do? Throw the Hebrew babies into the Nile River and let the crocodiles eat them. Put to death the babies. Now, some years later, as Moses comes and asks for the people to go free, they're refused. And so what's the final judgment that God brings? He takes the life of the eldest of every child, the eldest child of every family, the eldest animal, the firstborn, are slain on the night the Passover angel, the angel of death, goes over. 
You might say, Pastor, that was unfair. Was it really? It was only giving back to them what they had done to the Hebrew babies. I want to tell you, as we continue talking through the three angels' messages, I want you to be very clear. God will not tolerate the murder of babies. He simply won't tolerate it. And he will bring the most severe judgments upon any man or any nation who murders their babies. And so we face now in America and in China and in the world God's judgment because we have turned our back on the living God of heaven, even as Nimrod did. We have turned our back against the most holy God of heaven, and we have treated him as though he were nothing. When he is the almighty, the all-powerful. The hour of of God's judgment has come. It is here today. We are seeing the first unavoidable but powerful signs of God's judgment. We have doubt, drought in one place. We have too much rain and water in another place. We have volcanoes. We have incredible numbers of earthquakes. We are going to see utter destruction on the West Coast at some point soon. As the calderas explode, we're in trouble. We're watching America right now be put to death. And the America that will emerge out of this time of catastrophic loss will be a different America. It will not be the America of the free and the brave. It will be a socialist form of government that will overlay America, leading toward a one-world government and the institution of the mark of the beast. This week, we'll deal with those issues. But I want to come back now. The second angel followed, and he said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Babylon has not yet fallen, but it is now in the process of falling. Now make no mistake, America is doomed. I don't say that to make you afraid, I say that that you could understand that we are in inbound on horrible, horrific things. We have seen only the introduction so far. It will become much worse. And you need to be very clear. Are you worshiping with Babylon? Are you filled with confusion and violence? Are you filled with a lust for the world and the things of the flesh? Or are you committed and sold out to Jesus Christ?
I want to read for you several things. There are two major beasts that we have spoken of. I want to deal specifically with the beast that is spoken of in Revelation 13, 11. I saw another beast coming up out of the earth that is not coming out of peoples and nations, but coming up out of the earth. The United States is the only one that fits that description. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. In other words, this is a lamb-like beast, but it's a lamb-like beast that's going to transform into a real dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that he could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. We're going to see a time of great persecution in America when many of us will die because we are not going to receive the mark of the beast on our right hand or forehead. It says in verse 17, No one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now, when you get to chapter 14, and I don't usually do very much teaching out of the book of Revelation. I've read it time after time after time, but it's been so misinterpreted. It's been so twisted. I don't want to go beyond what it says I'm giving you the very best of my understanding from a lifetime of studying this book. I looked and before and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him a hundred and forty four thousand who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. He's describing the hundred and forty four thousand, those saints taken from 12,000 of each tribe of the Jewish nation. The first fruits. It's spoken of in Revelation 7. And then comes the three angels flying in midair. And Babylon is now being referred to as fallen. And I want you to note Babylon is referred to in the feminine tense. Now let's go over here to Revelation, the 17th chapter. The angel carried me away, verse 3, in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names. 
and this beast that it was sitting on had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The title was written on her forehead. Mystery Babylon the Great The Mother of Prostitutes and of the Abominations of the Earth I saw the woman she was drunk with the blood of the saints the blood of those who bore the testimony of Jesus Then you come to chapter 18 After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Babylon is fallen! Babylon the great! She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adulteries with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given, pay her back double for what she has done, mix her a double portion from her own cup, give her as much torture and grief as glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. I believe that this is a description of the United States of America. At the very end, when she has utterly metamorphosed from that lamb-like beast, into a dragon. And the warning comes, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. He's saying very clearly, there has to be a coming out of Babylon. There has to be a coming out of all that is of darkness, all that is of wickedness. I want to read you a passage of scripture in 1 John, the fifth chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God. Obey his commands. His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
Many today who are Christians, pastors, teachers, are saying you cannot overcome the world. The blood of Jesus does not have the power to cause you to overcome the world. I want to tell you they're lying. The scriptures say this is love for God, to obey his commands. So don't tell me you cannot obey the commands of God. His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, not the Nimrod spirit, not the spirit of confusion that says, well, you know, do your best, but that's all you can do. No, we are here for total victory in the blood of Jesus and glorious joy and rejoicing as we separate ourselves from the wickedness of our age, the wickedness of our day, the Nimrod spirit, the Babylon spirit of confusion and uncertainty and, and lack of love, conflict, violence, we aren't called to participate in that or to sit in front of the television and watch it or to sit in front of the television and watch a violent football game. That's not what we're called to. That is Nimrod. That is Babylonish spirit. Notice verse 11. This is First John 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Verse 18, we know that anybody born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. If you believe in the sinning Christian, you believe in Babylon. And you are a participant in Babylon. And in the end, you will be cast out with Nimrod and all that is of Babylon. And Babylon will be cast down and burned. We know that the scriptures teach that America will burn. We know that as Christians, we are called out of walking in any of the wickedness of this world. It requires understanding of what the Babylon spirit is. Now, Babylon has not fallen yet. But very soon, the announcement will be made. I don't know if it'll be a year, two years, three, five, six the announcement will be made, Babylon has fallen and America will be done. And we are now going to watch as America transforms itself from that lamb-like beast 
into a dragon, and in many ways America has already become a dragon. Ask the people of Iraq, or ask the people of Libya, or ask many of the nations that we have said, we can take them down, we can change their government. The nations that we have forced to adhere to our dollar, the petrodollar, because we have the warships and the guns. And so we've held many in the world hostage to our system as we have lived in unbelievable luxury on the world. That's coming to a screeching halt. You're going to see a reset of finances as the fiat currency is no longer of any value. You will see a digital currency be introduced and the financial reset will take place. And going along with that digital currency, could I put it simply this way? Digital currency will be issued to your account by who you work for. It will be what you use to buy your food. It will be used instead of cash. But digital is not currency. It's credit at the company store. It's called slavery. We are being brought in America into total enslavement. And they are bringing us into that enslavement through the coronavirus and through the bursting of the debt bubble and the destruction of our currency as we know it today. We are watching as every unclean thing rises up in America. Every vile perversion, the murder of our children, the sex trafficking that is approved by the highest levels of government and controlled and participated in by many of the top leaders of our nation. I am deeply grieved by this. And I constantly am crying out to God for the deliverance of his children, both the unborn and the children offered as human sacrifices in these wicked occult places like Epstein's Island. We're dealing with such wickedness. Now, in chapter 13 of Luke, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Of those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. He told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it. He didn't find any. 
So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. I believe we're in that time, not necessarily one year, but we're in that time when the Lord has said, Look, I'm not getting the fruit of righteousness out of my people. And he's coming very close to saying, Just cut it down. Cut the American church down. I'm crying out to the Lord and saying, Oh God, please don't cut the American church down. But instead, please come and call it to repent. Send your spirit, almighty God, to turn the heart of American Christians and pagans unto righteousness. Now is the time to come out of Babylon while you still have the ability to come out. Once you receive the mark of the beast, you will not be able to come out. You will be sealed as a servant of Nimrod, of the devil. The spirit of Babylon is riding roughshod over America today. In some places, the government is now even telling you, like in Vermont, what you can and cannot buy. Walmart will not let you buy vegetable seeds because they say the government has told them that's not essential. You mean food is not essential? You can't plant your own garden? Oh, do you see where we're headed? We're going into a control grid. And you're going to have to make a decision about whether you will accept that mark. Some pastors are saying, Oh, you can accept the mark. You can't lose your salvation. So go ahead and do whatever you have to do to survive. All you'll lose are maybe some rewards in heaven. That's not what the scriptures say. We're going to talk about that this week. Oh, my brother, my sister. Today is the day to repent and to utterly divorce yourself from the spirit of Babylon. Almighty Jesus, I plead your mercy today over America. I plead for the church. I plead that, O oh Lord, before it's too late, before we're sown into this grid of wickedness, that you will cause Christians across this land to wake up and rise up and say, I must repent. I must deal with my sin. It is not acceptable before the holy God of heaven. Lord Jesus, you've provided everything we need. I stand by faith now for revival in America. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. Please write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This is a faith ministry. I'm encouraging those of you who've made pledges, please step forward and make those pledges good. We're still 500 short on the pledges. By faith, I'm standing. And I'm going to preach a straight word no matter what the result is. I'm trusting Jesus. 
I hope you know today that you're loved by Jesus, by me. I want you to repent. I want you to cast out everything of confusion and of babbling, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can contact me by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, brother and sister. I know this is a hard time. It's a time when we just have to stand by faith. It's a time when we need to speak words of love and encouragement one to another. Would you do that? My heart would be greatly encouraged to hear from you. One brother has set up his account so that every month, the first of the month, he automatically has the check sent. Thank you. And thank you. A dear sister just sent an exorbitant amount for her. Thank you. I want this broadcast to continue to reach God's people with revival. God bless you. I'll talk to you. Before the presence of His glory with great joy